Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Uh, I'm excited about this message. How many have enjoyed going through 1 Corinthians? Anybody? Two of you? I appreciate that. Man, it's what a blessing. Three? I'll take it. Look, I've enjoyed it, man. It's been a blessing to, uh, to go through, kind of just seeing things in a different light. And this passage, uh, man, it, if anything, when you take communion, especially in a church like the one I grew up in, you know, they'll read a few verses, you know, that are the same verses every time uh, that are read before you take communion, and you kind of accept them and take them a certain kind of way. Uh, but then when you read it, in its context, and we've been like unearthing 1 Corinthians, and we're going to read it today, uh, I think that you, you might see it in a different light. You might come at it from a different perspective. Uh, and so that's one thing that I've really enjoyed uh, kind of approaching this passage of Scripture, because there's a lot of topics that uh, I think are definitely misrepresented, uh, and, and even some of them mis- misinterpreted uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but we're going to get into, from, from this point, after we finish this passage today, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts and Holy Spirit gifts, and uh, we're going to be speaking in tongues up here, right in the middle of service. <laughs> I don't know about that, never been given the gift, but uh, we're going to talk about a lot of that, those things in the coming weeks. That's chapter 12 and 13 and 14, well, chapter 12 and chapter 14 specifically, 13 is kind of, uh, it's not isolated, it has a lot of those things sprinkled in, but... Uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun little ride here for the next few weeks. But today will be no exception, and we will talk about the Lord's Supper, uh, and then we'll we'll partake. We'll take the Lord's Supper at the end. Uh, I don't see anybody in here. There were some youngins in here in, in the 9 a.m. that were kind of uh, cutting up and playing around with it. So I think everyone here is uh, respectful and understands what you know what we're doing. So I don't think any announcement is needed there. But uh, obviously, I, I believe it's for those that are in the church family that have been saved and baptized and that understand what they're taking and, and the meal that they're partaking uh, in. And you'll see that and you'll see why uh, from this passage as we kind of dive in, do a little survey, and then it's, it's just going to be another one of those moments. Last week's message was so almost strange, uh, and if you haven't listened to last week's, I encourage you, uh, go back on the YouTube channel, check it out, but... Uh, it wasn't, you know, at first glance, what you think it is, it's not. And, and it was like a totally different story. Uh, and so I feel like this passage, what we're going to talk about this week, uh, not only do people miss what's there and very evident and very plain, just as we read it, I think the Lord will show it to you, what, what, it, what the topic and what, is, what it's all about, what the problem was, really. Um, but let's not read into the text what's not there, and let's parse it out, and I, I think you'll be blessed because of it. Let's pray one more time, and uh, we'll jump in. Father, we pray that you would just illuminate our hearts and our minds, speak through your word, help me to say the things that you would have me to say, and not say the things that I shouldn't, and may your word become clear to us through your spirit in Jesus' name, amen. I didn't say this. I don't think we have any in the house, but if you're visiting with us online for the first time, uh, there is a link in the description, and click that link, fill it out, and we'll send you a free gift. We're just thankful that you have joined with us here online. Uh, so, man, I, if I'm grimacing a little bit and moving strange and not my usual flossy self, uh, it's because I threw my back out. Uh, and, and so I am in a, a, a certain amount of pain this morning, uh, and we're getting through it, but so I'll tell you, might as well tell you the story. We got time, right? Nothing but time, nothing but time. Uh, so I have a trailer, an enclosed trailer, that because of this new neighborhood that I moved into, I can't leave the thing in my driveway. or any, I mean, when I lived in Dundalk, it was different, and I didn't think it was going to be that much different moving from Dundalk to Essex, but it's a little bit. I think it just depends on where you go, but uh, anyway, you know, you leave the trailer in the driveway and you get all these post-it notes on your door saying, hey, please put that in your garage. Uh, anyway, it wasn't that extreme, maybe a little worse, but anyway. anyway uh, so nonetheless, I comply because most of 
I think everybody in the neighborhood that follows me or whatever on Facebook, they, they know I'm a pastor. So I'm trying to be a good testimony, uh, even though I want to say, take that trailer and shove it. Uh, but I don't. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So anyway, I'm trying to be a good neighbor. So I put my trailer in the garage. And I have a single car garage. It's real thin in there. So you can barely get around the thing. You'll see where I'm going here in a minute. So I back the thing in. Barely get around. Got a fridge out there. Some squeezing around, getting the things I need. And a couple nights ago, I open up the garage door and I see a little fella go across. Scamper. You know what I'm talking about? I see him and he's quick. And I'm like, oh no. I think I know what that was. And I'm like, man, I don't do mice. And we had a really bad experience. Excuse me one, one second here. We had a really bad experience in Dundalk. And in Dundalk, they're, they're you know what I mean. And I'm here to report, in Essex, they're like this. In Dundalk, as, anyway. Um, but yeah, so I was like, man, no. Flashback Friday, you know, I'm like, this is not going to happen. So I hook my trailer up, pull that thing out of the garage, and I'm like, I see it. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, how did this happen? The jokers ate through my vinyl trim in the bottom of my garage door on both sides and tunneled around. And in my garage, it's like I have base trim everywhere except by the door. So they just got right in and had a ball. And I'm talking to the exterminator. I'm like, I've got one on speed dial because I used to live in Dundalk. And uh, I call the fellow. Look, I'm not bagging on Dundalk. I lived there for like 12 years. I love it. And I, I'm like, I call Ed. I'm like, see, I know him by name, Ed, my exterminator, because I lived in Dundalk Native right now. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, Ed, what is going on? How is this even possible? He's like, well, walk me through. He's real chill. I love Ed. If you ever need an exterminator, I got you. Uh, text me online. I'll give you his name and number. Uh, I don't get anything for it. I just want to give him business. But anyway, he's like, walk me through what's in your garage. I'm like, golf clubs, you know, tools, a lot of tools, as it should be men. No. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I've got, my wife wanted uh, the kids and my wife wanted a little bird feeder for Rainey's bird watching. And so there's bird seed. And he goes, go look at the bird seed. I'm like, oh, okay. I pick it up and it just starts falling out, all the holes in it. I'm like, I found it. He's like, they're going up eating your bird seed because you've left them, uh, you know, a really nice meal. And I had an assortment of bird seed, an assortment. I mean, they didn't have to eat the same thing every day. They could eat different things. They could have a snack, an appetizer, and have some of that. There's some ramen noodles that it seems that they really enjoyed. They left the Korean noodles. I don't know why, but they ate the ramen noodles. Uh, the cheap ones, they like, the mice like the cheap ones. So, yeah, they were just having a time and then staying in my garage. Thank the Lord they didn't get into my house. And he was like, look, if they wanted to be in your house, they would have been in your house. So they were staying out there. So I pulled my trailer out, and, and he's like, look, Matt, over the phone, just get them, you know, just get all the stuff out, everything out, real clean, just make sure there's nothing there, food out. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this, Ed. I pick up my golf bag. I'm five steps out of the garage, and I set my golf bag down, and here they start coming out of my golf bag. I'm like, no! I reach over, I grab a crowbar, and I start going to town. I'm like trying to get them, and like the second swing, there my bag goes. And then I'm like, no! Because if you got a bad, I got in a really bad car accident when I was 16, and ever since then, it's like my lower back, when it goes out, it's out. And it's like a two to three week like, recovery process to get, get my feet back underneath of me. So I'm like, first mice, then I'm trying to get rid of them, then I'm throwing my back out. So anyway, and I just, I suffered all day. I was miserable to be around. I'm like, no, I'm gonna clean this garage out with my bad back. And I got like six of them things. I took them out, I took them out. So anyway. Yeah, that's what I should have done. Well, see, I have bigger bullets than pellets. And, and first, they're like, there's the crazy neighbor running around with the crowbar, swinging at the ground. And then they hear ammunition unloading. I'd be like, literally out there with my AR. Just like, <laughs> that would be not 30 round mags, let's go. I don't know where I got them, Maryland. Don't know where I got them. Anyway, there's some funny stuff happening at the Robinsons residence, but... No, thank the, I, you know what, they probably did, and they're probably just holding the footage, my neighbors with their ring cameras, they're like all texting it to each other. 
Lord knows our neighborhood, it's like everybody knew we had mice. Like the next day, hey, heard you had mice. <laughs> You're keeping them in there, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to capture them and cut, cut them loose in your garage. All right, say something to me about it again. No, anyway. <laughs> but because I'm a good neighbor. <laughs> no. So anyway, if I'm walking like gingerly or if I fall over, just come prop me back up behind the pulpit and I'll continue my sermon. <sighs> it's been a heck of a week. All right, let's, let's preach the word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verse 17 all the way through 34. And that's the portion of scripture that we're going to talk through today. And I think that reading through it, you'll get the gist and, and understand why I think it's important to just read the whole thing. Some of it will be uh, familiar uh, as far as what we would normally read during Lord's Supper. But let your mind like put, paint the picture and see the whole perspective here. Paul's going to shift gears. And remember last week, Chapter 11, verse 2, all the way to verse number 16, he put bookends of, hey, uh, way to keep the traditions, right, that I've given you, and, and there's really not really any traditions about this, the head covering piece. Uh, but watch the way he shifts gears here in verse 17. Watch his tone change. It's very important that we kind of get, get the, you know, the, the spirit behind what he's saying here. Verse number 17. Now, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Don't miss that. Does he sound happy or upset? Yeah. In giving this instruction, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the what? For the worse. And if you need it, it's in the program. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. That sounds like an echo from verse number one, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm sorry, chapter number one. Indeed, verse number 19, it is necessary that there are factions. That's so interesting the way he says that. Indeed, it is necessary that there are factions among you. Why? So that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So an issue of there's divisions, it was purposeful, based on how you are recognizing them and approving those said groups. Verse 20, when you come together, then it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for at the meal, each one eats his own supper. I, I love that. Each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry, while another gets what? Gets drunk. How would they get drunk if, if grape juice is non-alcoholic in the Bible. Oh, okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, I guess that's, anyway. Moving on, anyway. Or, <laughs> there was sarcasm there, anyway. Uh, <laughs> For at this meal, each one eats his own. One person is hungry while another gets drunk. He's painting, Paul's painting this picture. Look at verse 22. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have what? What say you? That's really the crux of the matter in this passage. Or do you despise the church of God? Those that have nothing, you're humiliating them. What should I say to you? And, and here's the echo from verse 17. Should I praise you? I love the way Paul frames things. I'm not praising you. You're a knucklehead. Should I praise you? Look what you've been doing, right? I do not praise you in this matter. Look at verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which also I passed on to you. Now, time out. How many years and years of taking communion in the Lord's Supper, the pastor steps up and starts, <clears throat> for I have received of the Lord that which also I passed on you in the night in which he was betrayed. He, I know it in King James Version, but, right? We, they, they quote that passage of like, this is the tradition that the Lord has given us for us to partake it this way, but we forget that the context is not just that. This isn't just a moment where we take communion and we receive from the Lord that which he has for us. Paul is making a point. In fact, he's mid-thought when we talk about that verse. He's saying, listen, for I received from the Lord what I, what I passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, 
which is for you this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Don't miss that. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Same, same thought here. So then, so then, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, traditionally, this, has, this verse has been interpreted, and I'm gonna, we're gonna navigate this to where we're gonna find out that it's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. This, this has been given in such a way that Every man has to examine himself from a place of confession and repentance. Before you take communion, search your heart, examine himself, right? Confess what needs to be confessed, forsake it, so that you can take it worthily. I don't necessarily, that's, that's an incomplete thought, considering everything that this passage is, is saying. So look at verse 28, that person examines himself. In this way, let him eat eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Verse 29, for whoever eats, watch this, whoever eats and drinks, what does it say? Without recognizing the what? The body. They eat and drink judgment on himself. Now this is probably, we're, we're coming into one of the starkest, darkest warnings that Paul is gonna offer. This is like a dark thing that he's about to say. Coming in this, this context. He says, whoever eats and drinks it without recognizes the body. What, what, here's what happens. He eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep. What does that mean? Dead. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. In other words... We know this from an echo of another scripture, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. If you're a child of God, he's gonna discipline you till you do what's right. You know, and this is where we can kind of ask in the context of why are things not going well in my life? Are you a believer? Check. Are you doing things that you shouldn't do? Yeah. Okay, it's a possibility that the Lord's, you know, he's disciplining you, not because you're left to the world, but because you're one of his. For, uh, but when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined, right? Verse 33, therefore, my brothers and sisters, and he completes the thought here, when you come together to eat, what's the next three words? Welcome one another. That's the same thought. That's the same process of thinking here as it was in the beginning when we, when we started to read it. If anyone is what? Hungry. He should eat at home. So that when you gather together, you will not come under judgment. I will give you instructions about the other matters whenever I come. And we never, uh, we kind of jump to another topic. He never really answers that. We don't have it in our records what those other matters really are. But he's specifically dealing with the Lord's Supper here. So let's jump in and kind of uh, parse this apart and, and see what the Lord has for us today. So Paul, I want to bring this up here. Paul has already mentioned sinning against brothers and sisters during a meal. So this is the, this is the uh, wonderful thing about reading this passage and preaching expositionally through the book because now we have everything that we've already covered. And, and hopefully you're recalling to your mind here in chapter 8 it says this in verse 12. Now when you sin like this against brothers and sisters and wound their weak conscience, you are sinning against Christ. Remember when he said that. Therefore if food causes my brother or sister to fall, I will never eat meat so that I won't cause my brother or sister to fall. Remember I preached this a few weeks ago, going vegan with Paul. Remember? We go vegan with Paul. What is Paul saying? Look, if meat is gonna be a stumbling block to you, I'm not gonna eat meat. What is the context of that? People were buying food offered to other idols. And Paul is like, look, I get it that you know that that's pagan worship and that it's just meat and you can buy that meat at a discount. But what if a weaker brother and sister sees you eating meat offered to an idol and that's a problem for them? What if they're a Jewish brother or sister and that's a problem for them? Paul is saying, don't eat the meat. Don't buy that or don't ask. 
Don't make it an issue. And so what I want you to see is that in the context, just three chapters earlier, Paul, when talking about Christian freedom, said it's important for you that in your lifestyle, outside the meals that you're eating, what you're doing, uh, it, it shouldn't be offensive to other brothers and sisters. And here's what I want to point out. He says it this way. You are sinning against Christ. Don't miss that. You're sinning against two. What's it say? You're sinning against two. Y'all look like you ate 10 glazed donuts before church. And there's only 10 of you here today. So look, I need you. I need you. Come on. I ain't got Steve in worship. You know, everybody else is on vacation. Come on now. Get the glazed donuts out. If you need a cup of coffee, run, get you one real quick. You can come up and sip mine. Here's communion. Oh, no, no, have it. Anyway, let me have a drink real quick. Mm. The ex-Catholics love that one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Here's, here's the point. He's already made the point that when you're sinning against brothers and sisters in chapter 8, even about meals, meals, food, or the Lord's what? The Lord's what? Food. <laughs> if you're doing that and you're sinning against brothers and sisters, you're sinning really against who? Jesus. So we, we get this concept, and the concept is going to be expanded in chapter 12, where the body of Christ is what? everybody and the spirit of God is going to work in that body and what we find when we offend one another we're really offending who Jesus body of Christ this is we're building our theology boys and girls this is amazing this is why we should be uh careful with how we handle ourselves well no I'm just me and my God that's bad theology me and God are like this but you ain't like that with anybody else, then you're not like that with God. We're, we're starting to, to use scripture to define how we act and move and breathe with each other. Whew, I, I moved just right. Let me hold on to the pulpit. Do you see what we're doing here? So he's already said in chapter eight, if you're offending your brothers and sisters, you're offending Jesus. Keep that in mind. Don't, don't lose it. Paul articulates that sinning against these brothers and sisters is the body. Paul also will go on to talk more. Here's the verse that he's going to say more about it in chapter 12. It's verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So, so we're really trying to like get this perspective. And my point in saying this is that Paul has more in mind when he is saying sinning against the body. He's, he's saying, I want you to see the collective nature of what Jesus was doing when he was building his church. We will discover more of this, but let's, let's continue down this thought process here. Paul is pressing into something here, uh, and, it, and it's a reoccurring theme in this book. They were joining themselves to people rather than to the gospel. The center of what we should be doing at church should be the good news, the gospel, the young Gillian. It, it, the center of everything, the preaching, should be the preaching of the gospel, should be simply Jesus, who he is, and then everything else flows from that. And if it's not, we got a problem. And, and so Paul, when he remember when he first got out of the gate at this letter, he said this in chapter 1 of verse 11, for it's been reported to me, my brothers and sisters, by the members of Chloe's people, do you remember this? That there is rivalry among you. One am saying, is saying this, one of you says, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, and I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Paul is still unpacking this rivalry and this dissension that is in this body that he addressed in chapter one. And he uses the same language. He says here in, in, in when he, when he comes right out of the gate talking about Lord's Supper. Verse 18, for to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there's divisions among you. This is the same reoccurring theme. We don't struggle with divisions in the church anymore, do we? Let's just move on, because we don't really struggle with that. I mean, everybody gets along so well. Mm. So much loving, no fighting, no divisions, no people that have ever tried to like, tear the body apart or suggest that you know, it's one way for them. It, that stuff doesn't happen in church anymore, does it? No. Yeah, it does, sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. And just because there's a plethora of churches doesn't mean 
that we should excuse that behavior. Doesn't mean that we should just check out and go somewhere else. Like, let's work through it. Let's figure this thing out. I mean, we're, we're just so consumer-driven today. We're so like, what I need, and as long as my needs are met, instead of, what am I contributing to the body? What, what is God's plan for this? Mm. And, and side note, even Paul, in dealing with this issue, uh, was quick to mark, the, it even says in scripture, mark them which cause divisions contrary to the doctrines which you've learned and avoid them. Even in, in scripture, there are moments where it's like, Paul was like, this guy or gal is clearly not on board, get out. <laughs> like, whoo, it's rough. But in my experience, like through church and through the years, like that person needs to go and find somewhere else. That person will find, they'll land. They, they will, ministry happens in different ways for different reasons. And so I think that ultimately, our loyalty should be in the text and the way that the Bible tells us to operate. And we'll be okay. We're gonna, we're gonna make it through. Everybody take a deep breath. We're gonna be just fine if we stay anchored right here. But, but I wanna point this out that it is a reoccurring theme in this book. He's saying, look, there's divisions, there's factions, and you're doing it for a reason. So let's describe the scene here in 17 to 25, if we're unpacking it, what it is, look at it with me if you have your Bibles. Now in giving this instruction, I praise you. I praise you not, rather. It's, it's, it's worse. There's divisions among you. I believe it. Why? He, he had the report from Chloe. Look at verse 19. Indeed, it's necessary that there are factions among you for who are approved may be recognized by you. What's he trying to say? Verse 20. When you come together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at that meal, each one eats his own supper. So one person is what? Hungry, while another gets drunk. Verse 22. Don't you have homes, right? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who what? Have nothing. That's the crux. Should I praise you? No, I'm not praising you for this matter. The distinction here, and it's so simple, is between the rich and the poor. It's between the haves and the what? And the have-nots. You think this is an issue today? People don't judge in the church house anymore, do they? People don't think they're better than? No. <laughs> not in church. Never. No one's statusy anymore, are they? That doesn't exist. It seems like the bigger the church, the more statusy it gets. The more factions. I, I, I remember this uh, interview, this like med, mega church pastor who recently fell into sin, which no one should celebrate that at all, right? But the point is, is like they had rooms, specific rooms and places for celebrities to go and worship. You know, and it was like this whole thing of like people were saying, is that the church? Is that appropriate? And I, on one side, I get it. You know, if you're a celebrity and you come into church, how are you going to worship when everybody's like, ah, autograph my Bible right now? <laughs> it's like, shouldn't you like want Jesus to autograph it? No, you. <laughs> you know, right here, my favorite early verse. You know, like I get it. Like they're a celebrity, so it'd be difficult to worship because you're just so excited. Oh my gosh, I was at Guntree for that advanced pistol training class and Kyle was over eating his beef sandwich or whatever it was that he got. And I'm standing there waiting. They took forever to make our food. And I look to my right and I'm like, that's Ray Rice. And then I look back and I'm like, play it cool, Matt. Play it cool. Don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. I'm like, that's Ray Rice. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm like wanting to like, you know, go over and be like, can I get a selfie with you? Don't hit me in the face. I know we're not by an elevator. No, <laughs> anyway, but I'm like, dude, I, I, that's Ray Rice. So like then the guy that the owner of the, the club was like, you know, he was kind of like corralling him, you know, he was like the barrier, you know, so I was like, after he left, I was like, hey, yo, I'd really like to get a picture with him. He's like, I'll see what I can do. Never saw the guy again. <laughs> 
So celebrity, you know, there's a real thing. There's like a, oh my gosh, that guy's famous. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I could say about 10 jokes right there, but I'll let it go. The, the point is, is like, I get it that there's a difference. But this, follow me here, we have to figure it out here. The, the church is the place that transcends every caste system on the planet. This is the place. This is the place where we do the hard work to figure it out. This is the place that the door, yes, is always open and we understand that on the outside in the world there is judgment, there is position, there is placement, but there is not position, there is not placement within the church house. And if we do this wrong, we're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's what he's talking about. I don't think it's as much as unconfessed sin as it is on you thinking you're better than somebody else. I think it all what? It all goes together. We know that. But we're seeing a picture that is being painted that there is a, there's a distinction between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots. Listen to verse 29 now. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. They were using food in chapter 8 to offend people, and now they are using their food in chapter 11 to shame people. In chapter 8, I can buy and eat what I want. It doesn't matter what you think and what your religion says. Paul is saying it does matter. There are people that come from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and you can't just thumb your nose at people. You can't just say it, it's how it is. This is how God made me. Paul is saying that's the opposite of what the house of God is for. This is a house for brothers and sisters that no matter where they come from, they can come together. Woo! Chapter 8, don't use your food to offend. Chapter 11, don't use your food to shame people. And oh my gosh, I'm studying this this week and it's filleting me wide open, pun intended, fillet, get it? I'm literally going, what? This is amazing. Like I see it, God. Church has to be a place for everybody. But then I'm thinking to myself like how I've taken this passage in years gone by. And, and it's like, as long as you fit a mold, as long as you believe that that wine wasn't alcoholic, then you're good. While there are people in the church house that are preferring one another. That's not good. Paul is more concerned not with lifestyle of what you're doing, but who you're doing it to. Some of you need to learn discretion. Some of you need to learn and understand that because you have an ability that God has given you and you have uh, worked and made it, I'm not, look, there are rich people. Paul received this report from Chloe. How? Because she had a commerce business. He was in, he was in Ephesus hearing the report from this lady's merchants that were moving about in the empire. There were people in this church that had means. How do we know that? They were getting what? Drunk. They had plenty. Paul isn't against rich people. He's against rich people treating poor people badly. The whole point of Paul's missionary journeys were to raise money for the poor Jewish communities in Jerusalem. Paul needed rich folk, but he needed rich folk to understand, and he needed poor people to understand that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You don't need to carry your shame into the house of God, and you don't need to carry your crap into the house of God and make them feel bad, or you mooch off from them. Do you see? Don't come hungry and don't come full. There's a different purpose for this meal. Okay, is anybody seeing, am I alone on an island? You're like, mm, I prefer the other rendition where I just say my Hail Marys and my confessions and then take the Lord's Supper. I'm not sure how Donald Trump got in the service, but it's kind of him a little bit, ish. Ish, it wasn't quite there. <laughs> I have no idea. Look, you never know what's going to happen here. <laughs> I love you, Lee. How are you feeling? One day at a time? I'm praying for you. 
chapter 11 to shame people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine bringing, using their worth to shame folks? First of all, I just, well, we'll get there. My goodness, I gotta keep moving. What, oh, it's 12 o'clock. Look, the essence of the Lord's Supper. How many wanna know more about the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table, the Holy Eucharist? How many wanna know more about it? Okay, you came to the right place. It's an echo from the past. When we fully understand what this means, we'll, we'll have a different approach, I promise you. If you understand what the Lord's Table means, and you know, this is a challenge for me in this COVID era, because when my wife and Miss Alma were baking the communion bread, which we gotta get back to that. This is like, I'd rather have COVID than eat this stuff. Just kidding. I can say it because I've had COVID. It's just not. I mean, it's there. It's, it, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for whoever invented this coffee creamer communion. But it's just hard to get there for me. It really is. But thank the Lord for it. Um, but my point is, is what is the essence? I just think it's funny. If Paul were to once again show up on the scene today and we're like, here's your communion, he'd be like, okay, <laughs> all right, see you guys. <laughs> like, there's just some things that technology have, has not made better, <laughs> and communion is one of them. Uh, but I feel like when we bake the communion bread and we pass it around and we break it and we tear it, it's just so visual. Having that meal together and, and, and all of the feelings and the smell when I didn't have COVID, all of it, it's, it's an experience, Right? And, and from there, we miss some of that in, without the traditions. But we're doing our best to continue this. But what we have to see, it's ultimately not about the physical manifestation of it as it is the spiritual essence of what communion is. And so let me help you. It's an echo from the past. Listen to this verse. Exodus 24, verse 8. Listen to this. Moses took the blood and splattered it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you concerning all of these words. Now, stay with me. Uh, verse 25 in our text, in this same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's the same language. Do you hear that? This is the new covenant of my blood. Moses said after he sprinkled the blood on them, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you concerning all of these words. First of all, I'm very thankful in the new way. Like, it would be really gross uh, for me. I don't think my stomach could handle it the way the priests had to do it. When they made the sacrifice and slit the throat and took the blood and he just slung it on them, I mean, ugh, that'd be, I, I would struggle with that. I'm, I'm definitely not made out for that. I'm really not. I'd be like, Lord, send me another Aaron because this Moses can't be doing that. Shoot. I'm not all about sprinkling the blood on people. I'd probably lose my breakfast. But the point is, is it is an essence of the past. It's an echo from the past. Let me, let me help you. This is the Passover meal that was instituted in Israel. Consider the fact that they were in bondage to Egypt. The children of Israel, they had become slaves to their tasks, taskmasters, and they were in oppression. And the Lord came and threw plagues, right? And the last plague, the death angel that was uh, to go into Egypt and kill the firstborn, what happened? It passed, what? Over the children of Israel. As long as the blood was applied to the doorpost of that sacrifice, what does that mean for us? It means that we were in bondage to our sin and we uh, were trapped and we are slaves to the taskmaster of Satan and sin and the flesh. And unless the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our doorpost, to our house, to our lives as we declare loyalty to him, the death angel will not pass over. Only by the shedding of blood is there remission for sin. 
It is an echo from the past. And if we were to be there and see it and understand the slavery that the children of Israel went through, we as America would do well to not look back at the slavery two, three, four hundred, but look back several thousand of years and see that slavery is an epidemic from Satan, from sin, from bondage. And we are all slaves to our sin, except the blood be applied. What is this? It's the Passover meal where they celebrate. Listen to this scripture here. This day, Exodus 12, 14, it is to be a memorial. You must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generation as a permanent statute. And the Jews are still celebrating Passover to this day. What more proof do you need? What more proof do you need, atheist, critic, Look at this group of people. Yes, they missed the new covenant, but did they miss this first, Jeremiah 31, 31? Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, proclaim. Paul now says it's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Paul says, look, he's the same Lord over all. And what we see is that the Lord Jesus, when he came in the same night, he was betrayed, took bread, took wine. And he said, now you are partaking of my body. A sprinkling of the lamb in the Old Testament, you are now partaking in the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you declare your loyalty to him, you are now in the new reinstituted Passover meal, which we call the Lord's Supper. That's the echo from the past. What we're doing today and what we will do today is partaking in something so rich, so incredible. Now, 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 right there in that moment, what we're receiving from the Lord Jesus Christ is something that cost him everything. Stay with me. How in God's dear name were these people in the house of God taking the Lord's Supper saying, I'm gonna eat all of my extra while you don't have? Does that marry with the elements of the Lord's Supper at all? Help me. Does that connect at all with the sacrifice, with the meal, with the past? What was once enslaved to bondage and poverty, and now we have because of Jesus Christ. Could ever there be a caste system within the gospel? Could there ever be one greater than the other in the gospel? Or is in the gospel there is one name that is above every name, and that is the name of Jesus. And he reigns Lord over all. There's not room for another Lord. There's not room for your place above another. We are all beneath him, and he is Lord over all of us. We are all brothers and what? Sisters. That's the context of this supper of this celebration, which is why Paul was disgusted when he's like, you're over there getting turnt, and this guy, the bucket passes him, and the smell is more than he can handle because he's starving. I'm super conservative in my politics, but I'm a socialist in the church. We, we gotta do better. We have to do better. The Lord calls us to giving away to our brothers and sisters. If the church would be more socialist, then the government could be more conservative. <laughs> but our churches are being stingy. And we're asking the government to give everything away. That is backwards. So backwards. Look at, I mean, we got, we got prosperity gospel preachers that could end poverty because of all the money they're fleecing and taking from the world. I read a book, God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel by Costi Hinn, great book. He watched his uncle not take advantage of Americans, yes, but like, we're talking third world countries. And they're giving everything that they have because they believe that this faith healer is gonna make their lives better. The same garbage is happening today. And we're buying it. Look, church, we got a chance. 
we have a chance at Bethlehem Church to do things different. We have a chance to grassroots this movement, to tell our coworkers, to tell our families that, listen, we serve one name and his name is Jesus. We gather around the word of God and we operate by that word and that's it. We have a chance. We're doing it right. This isn't about one person. It's about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's about our God. Simply who? Yeah. Look, we can see the essence of pride that has crippled this church. Listen to this. The meal. And and go on the program and screenshot this stuff. You can teach your kids, your grandkids. I'm going to give you some super practical things. You ready? This is just my perspective on the Lord's Supper here. Those scriptures will help. But the meal has Passover significance. The meal is a representation of the Lord's provision. The meal is from the category of sacrifice from our beloved Savior that gave all so that we could have. The Holy Eucharist is a physical manifestation of the body and blood of our Savior that is blessed and partaken to administer our faith in a real and tangible way. So then, verse 27 in our text, whoever eats, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Now can you kind of see that verse in its context? Not just how it was maybe in your tradition where, okay, it's time for the Lord's Supper. Bow your head and confess every sin. Bow your head and make sure you're in a good place centered with Jesus. No, Paul is saying, bow your head and consider the body. Consider your brothers and sisters. What are your relationships like in the church? Are you viewing yourself as the body of Christ that has been bought and paid for? Or are you putting yourself in a different category? That would be taking it what? Unworthily. If I could just... If every pastor could just stand up in their pulpit on Sunday and preach the unity message and the equality message of scripture, our nation would be healed. This would heal our nation right here. This would close the gap. This would put us all on the same playing field. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every attempt that whoever is trying to make on bringing unity, all I'm seeing is division. Division. One that thinks they're better than another, one that's trying to take advantage of the other, that's taking it what? Unworthily. Okay, three things to understand before taking communion. Here's the practical application of the message. As I look at this passage and consider the whole thing, three things to understand before taking communion. Number one, Communion depicts the depth of the sacrifice Jesus made for the church. Would you agree? Communion depicts the depth of sacrifice Jesus made for the church. I hope you have a clear view of that right now, of the price that he paid. That's what this depicts, the body and blood of the Lord. Communion number two is for every member of the church. Every member of the church. It's not for one or a group of another. It's for what? Every. Turn to your neighbor and say every. And some of you had to say that by yourself. It's okay. <laughs> Yell at the nearest by person. Three, three rows over. Every. It's for every person. I hope, I don't, look, I don't think we're doing bad at this at our church. I don't think any pastor thinks that they're doing bad at it. No pastor thinks bad of his own church. I mean, maybe there's a guy out there, but not me. I like think our church is the best church ever on the history of the planet. <laughs> it's awesome. I love what the Lord's doing. But at the same time, like, we have to remember where the greatness lies. As soon as you start thinking that you're somebody, you're going to start missing the point. And then you're going to miss the blessing. And then you're going to wake up one day and you're taking it what? Unworthily. It's a slow process, isn't it? 
Communion depicts the depth of sacrifice. Communion is for every member. Communion is a moment of solidarity to experience unity in the church. I think it would be really cool if we like took communion with every Christian in America at one time. How awesome would that be? I don't know how we'd coordinate. Why don't we use social media to coordinate something good? Because social media is not good, that's why. It is the devil. (laughs) Can you imagine if every Christian, professed Christian in America stopped and had a moment of unity around communion? We wouldn't need a president. Because we got one. We got to start living that way. We have to start. That's a novel idea. Like living out the church. Whoa, that's revolutionary. I think we just birthed something right there. Right in that moment. It's nothing new. But communion celebrates this moment of solidarity to experience unity. Okay, three ways to prepare. Those are... Those are three things to understand about it before taking it, but three ways to prepare. Three, three ways to prepare. <laughs> and I know some of you are new to church, and this is new for you. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a healthy reminder for some, but good for all. Three ways to prepare. Number one, and this is really pointed. This is where the message comes to the crux of the matter and where you either submit to it and you're like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna... I'm gonna try to do better or not. Right, here it is. Number one, credit every element of your life as a gift from the Lord. Credit every element. How do I prepare for communion? Well, in this supper, in this echo from the past, here's what I'm seeing. In James chapter one, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. Credit every element of your life as a gift from the Lord. Here's what there's not room for in the church. Let me tell you how awesome I am. (laughs) Let me tell you what I've built, what I've established. I'm gonna flex on them. There's no room for that in the church. And if we're gonna partake of the Lord's table as oft as we do it, then how do, we, how do we get there? Well, we get there by seeing every element of our life as a gift from the Lord. There's, there's no room. What I'm saying is how did they get to the place where you got dudes over there getting turned and guys over here that are just begging for a morsel or a crumb and you got everybody else in between and even in our church and in churches around the country, we've got people of means and people that aren't. How do we get to this place where we find unity? Because I don't think we've reached it yet. I don't think we're experiencing it in the church the way we should, do you? Do you think we're there? Have we arrived at the place of solidarity and unity where we actually recognize the body of Christ as a whole? Or do you think we're still a little divided? Do you think it's still in the rumor mill that there's divisions among the brothers and sisters? Yes or no? So how do we get there? Number one, credit every, look, if we can just do this well at our church, we're gonna help the body of Christ. If we can just get to the place at our church where we don't brag about how good we are, but we brag about how good our God is, then it will work. It diffuses the situation when you look at everything you've accomplished and you just give that credit to God. And you realize that without the breath that he provided, without the strength in your arms to put your hand to the plow, you wouldn't have anything. Thank you, God, for all that you've done. That's a great place to start for communion. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, sent down, my children, my wife, my house, everything I have, Father, everything I've accumulated is all because of your goodness and your grace. It's not because of me. You're getting there. You're getting warmer. Marco. That's like Marco Polo. You're there, you're in it. But we got too many people that are so proud. Or here's one, you're still carrying the shame of what you didn't have and you need the pride of having because you don't ever wanna go back there of having not. 
I have to have this. I have to have this place, this position. Paul is saying in this text, you are creating the separations because you need the acceptance. You're trying to tell those people that you're aligned with them and not them. Can we be okay with not having? Can we be okay with being poor in a country that celebrates rich people? Can we be okay with not trending and just trending in his book? Can we be okay with that, with just saying, I'm a part of the body and wherever I am in that, I'm okay with it. I'm good with it, he's got me. And finding our worth and value in that, and this is where just good heavens. Okay, we're doing good. <laughs> it's gonna take me out, I ain't got my balance. I think I broke it. No, we're still charging. <laughs> Can we just be okay with that? Look, I thought we were talking about the Lord's Supper. What are you talking about? People being better than people. This is what it's about. You see it? We, we need a hum- Oh, is that a verse? He gives grace to the humble, but he resists the what? The proud. Oh, man. There's another one. Number one, credit, oh man, that took 10 minutes, maybe 11, that was not good. Number two, number one, credit every element of your life as a gift from the Lord. Number two, care for everyone in their journey in every way. Don't just see this thing as a spiritual thing. Let the Lord use you in other areas. The Lord may need you in a relationship and and as an encourager, he may need you to just be there for something. You say, well, I don't really know anybody that needs help financially. Okay, do you know someone struggling? Text them, call them, give an hour of your time this week to say, I love you, and that I value you, and I see you. I see you, I hear your pain, I'm here. I mean, it can't just be the pastor and his wife who's got like 10 people that we've got to meet with over the next three weeks. You got, you're the church. Well, that's the, you know, he, that's what he does. Well, yeah, we do it, but that's, it shouldn't just be us. Are we carrying each other's burdens? And then for the people who are like the Enneagram fours, you know, who think nobody loves them and cares about them, look, sometimes you need to voice that you're having trouble. No one knows, no one sees. Well, you're only here for two seconds, and then your no one knows, no one sees is off in a corner, and, and you're not having conversation with anybody. Like, we all have to be there for each other. Those of you who don't want help, know that someone who is able to help you will get encouragement from helping you. We all need what? I gave you the answer. We all need what? Each other. Yes, we all need each other. (laughs) Care for everyone in their journey in every way. Number three, conduct yourself. And this is where I'll leave you with as we go into taking communion. Come on up, babe. Number three, conduct yourself in a manner that reflects your understanding of the meal. This is where the repentance and confession piece fits in for me in this, in this passage. Oh, are you playing? All right, cool. Conduct yourself, listen to this, don't miss this. Conduct yourself in a manner that reflects your understanding of the meal. Now, hopefully, in your minds, you can picture what this meal is all about. His body that was what? It's just my wife. Y'all can look right here. His body that... I know. Poor Rex. What is he, five pounds now? His body was what? Broken. His blood was poured out. Without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Remission. Do we deserve that? No. But he gives it to you. We're coming to partake this morning of elements that he gave. When we figure out and when it lodges in our minds that it's not about the physical food that we have anyway, it's about the spiritual food that he is providing. None of us bring anything to the table. All we need to be is available. This is where the conduct, now I need you to go back in your mind's eye and run the reel, the highlight reel of your week Have you lived this week in such a manner that you see the meal that he has provided for you? Are you consumed with his righteousness that he's given you? Or do you push it away from Sunday and live the way you want to live Monday through Saturday and then pick it back up on Sunday 
and then drop it back down. For, taking it what? Unworthily. Because it's also taking for granted what he has provided for you. So it goes both ways. So, so this is where we, we, we end here. We need to conduct ourselves in a, ma- in a manner that reflects that we understand. Maybe some of you, for the first time, you have a healthier understanding. Go ahead, start. you guys start playing. Maybe you have a healthier understanding of the sacrifice that was made. I hope, I pray. This is an echo from the past. This has been provision for years and years and years. This is the provision of sacrifice for your sin for the future. We must conduct ourselves in that manner. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.